Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have any questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. Our mission is to lead people to follow Christ. Are you on mission? Are you on mission? How did, uh, how did you do this past week in leading people to follow Christ? How'd that go? Turn to someone this morning and say, I'm, just, I'm worried about you this morning. Turn to someone next to you and ask them, how you doing? How you doing? I'm a little worried about you. How you doing? If you really want to get carried away, turn and look at him and say, God bless you. Some of you have been cursed at all week. You need a blessing. All right? In our sermon series, you okay? You okay? I'm trying to help you. In our sermon series, we're, we're calling Praxis, Filling the Gap Between Theology and Practice. We've looked at several things that the Bible addresses and looked for practical applications of those principles. Praxis is defined as an accepted norm. Uh, it's a custom. It's a, it's, it, it also includes this idea of uh, a be, an idea being translated into action, something in reality rather than something merely theory. We're referring um, to that as orthopraxy. So praxis or orthopraxy. You're familiar with the word orthodoxy. We've reviewed this each week. When they say, people say, why do you review things? It's because that's how we learn. It's how we learn. Teachers um, in, in, in school will, will repeat um, things that students need to know. And so we're reminding ourselves. Um, you're familiar with the word orthodoxy. Orthos, meaning straight. Straight-talking person. Uh, someone who's on the straight and narrow. Um, orthos, it, it's, it's combined with the word doxa, which is, is a word that means teaching or determination. So orthodoxy is straight teaching, straight doctrine. And when you have straight teaching and straight doctrine, the thing that follows from that should not just be the orthodoxy, but it should be the orthopraxy. And that's what we've been talking about. Orthodoxy emphasizes correct belief, correct doctrine. Orthopraxy emphasizes correct behavior, conduct that is ethical based on what one believes, and acceptable practice based on what you believe. So what we're looking for is correct belief that leads to correct behavior. James 4.17. I remind you again, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Did, has, anyone, has anyone reminded you that you have a mission? <laughs> that was cheap, wasn't it? I set you up. I remind you on a regular basis that you have a mission. Your mission, Scripture says, I, I'm, Jesus said it this way, I'm, I want you to go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. We say, God has called us to lead people to follow Christ. We're on mission. That is what we know we ought to be doing. 
The question I asked you earlier was, how are you doing on mission? What are the stories that you could tell me about the mission that you were on this week and the, the opportunities that you had to lead people to follow Christ? Did you see them? Did you take them? How are you doing with that? <clears throat> it's that idea of putting into action what we know. If you know the good you ought to do and don't do it, it is sin for them. You know the good that God's called you to do. We've talked about several things. Small things make a big difference. Proper view of self and situations. Keeping the main thing the main thing. Not putting off until tomorrow what can be done today. We talked about making good decisions. We talked about perseverance last week. This week we're talking about hard work. Hard work. Filling the gap between theology and and practice. Now, work is a four-letter word, to be sure. A four-letter word. I don't know about you, but my mom taught me not to, not to say four-letter words. There were a lot of four-letter words that I wasn't supposed to say. But work is a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. Work is a good word, but people have some strange ideas about work. I want you to see in Genesis chapter 3, notice Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. Now watch this. To Adam he said, because you listened to your wife. <clears throat> All right, so let me tell you something about Scripture. If you took that phrase out of context, it will be painful. It says, listen, you listened to your wife and you got in trouble. If you take that out of context, I've reminded you time and time again, context is not important. It's indispensable. So where is that verse? What chapter is it a part of? What body of literature is it, is it included? What, where is it in Scripture? How does it relate to the whole? If, so clearly what he's saying here is, you know, you listened to your wife and you ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from. So indeed, uh, Satan came and he tempted Eve and she ate of the fruit of the knowledge of tree good and evil, and God had told Adam not to do that, not, not to eat from the, you can eat from this, this, the, the trees in the garden, but not to eat from that tree, and so God's holding him accountable, right? To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat from, watch this, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, and dust you are, and to dust you will return. Now, every time I read that passage of Scripture, I'm taken back to my childhood farm out on the Great Plains, rural southeastern South Dakota. If you know where the Black Hills is, this is nowhere near there. <laughs> it's the other end of the state, all right? That's western South Dakota, the Black Hills and, and Mount Rushmore. But on the eastern side um, was where I grew up. And the memory that I have that correlates with this passage of Scripture is walking beans, walking beans. Long before there were Roundup Ready beans, we were walking bean fields. We would literally walk the bean fields, and we would pull out volunteer corn. We would pull out um, um, cockle burrs. We would pull out um, milkweed. And I know for 
uh, many of you, you love milkweed because you love monarchs. To me, to a farmer, uh, milkweed is a noxious weed, right? And we pulled them out. We also pulled out thistles. We literally walked through the fields and pulled weeds, right? So early in the morning, there'd be a bag of cookies and a couple, a couple jugs of water. My dad and I, along with my sisters, would walk beans. Hated it. Hated it. Um, always complained about Adam and Eve on those mornings of bean walking and weed pulling. Every once in a while, I do that around the house when, they're starting to, when the weeds are starting to take over my tomato plants. Um, boy, Adam, what were you thinking about? The thorns and the thistles were connected to Adam's curse. Um, in the garden, food everywhere, and you had to go eat from the forbidden tree. And the result is Adam got tossed out of the garden and we have to work hard, battle thistles and thorns. He says, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm pulling volunteer corn and cockaburs and thistles and milkweeds, thanks a lot, shorty. You know, it's like, what's happening here? Pulling weeds for Adam. But I want you to notice something. I mean, there's, that was part of the, 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 the curse of disobedience. Uh, uh, the, curse, the curse of disobedience was part of it was being kicked out of the garden and having to toil for his food. Now I want you to watch something though. We're talking about work this morning. If you back up in Genesis to chapter 2, look at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Here's what it says. Now, God had created the heavens and the earth and in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. That was before the fall. The God had ordained work as something that was a part of the Garden of Eden. It was good for man to work. It was good. It was, it was, it was something that was good. Work is a, is a four-letter word, but it's a good four-letter word. What happened in chapter 3, after the fall and disobedience, work became much more difficult. It became productive. That's what happened before the fall. It's a part of the garden. It's good. The difference is that afterwards, good work would be accompanied with a curse. Weeds, thorns, thistles. It, it, would, it would take more work to do what is needed. Now instead of productive labor, because of the result of a the fall, there'd be unproductive labor. Instead of just planting and working, you had to pull and weed. In fact, Weeds choke out a harvest, so you labor much and oftentimes with little return. The job, you know, so, sometimes, sometimes work becomes so frustrating because it's so prickly. I used to hate the milkweeds. It would, it would get that slimy. They call it milkweed for a reason, right? You know that. You get that slimy feeling on your hand or we, you'd, pull, you'd, you'd reach to pull a thistle. Sometimes we would have a, we would call it a corn knife. We'd, we'd walk not just pulling weeds, but we would, um, you know, we'd have a corn knife, a machete of sorts. Um, and we would cut weeds. And some think that work is just personal punishment for sin, but that's not the case because we find in Genesis there, chapter 2 that work is something that God ordained as good a part of them. So we're not looking for freedom from work. We want to be free from unproductive work. <laughs> Work's a privilege. By the way, work is also, when we work, you know, in a sense, we're, we are, we're doing 
uh, similar things. We're created in God's image, and we're doing things that, that God did. Um, God worked. In six days, he created the heavens and the earth. In fact, chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Now watch this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it whole because on it he rested from all the work of creating what he had done. When we're working, in a way we're like we're God. So our, some, our work comes as, as, as a part of being made in his image to, to build things, to create things. And we don't actually create things. I mean, we create things, but it's like the farmer grows things. People say, well, listen, I, I'm not, I don't, you know, I, I grow things. Yes, but who gave you the soil? So you create things. Maybe you use wood. Maybe you use metal. You create things. Maybe you use plastics. Maybe you use yarn and sew and cloth. But you, there's things that you have that you use to create. You didn't create, you know, wood, but you use wood to create things. So we build, we create, um, we, 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 we raise things, we, we teach people, growth, we grow um, 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 things, and in, in, in that's a part of, part of our work. And, and, and to sum it up, hard, productive work is noble, it is fulfilling, and it is God-honoring. Work is not a bad thing. Some people work harder getting out of work than it would take just to do the job. And some people will want you to believe today that hard work is not a biblical principle. Um, Now let me also stop long enough right here to say in this message, we are not talking about working for your salvation. Can I make that clear? We're not talking about that. You cannot work hard enough to earn your salvation or or, or somehow gain salvation. Salvation God's, is given to us by God's grace. It's unmerited favor. It's not earnable. It's, it's received. Um, God's grace is received through faith in, in Jesus Christ. All right? So can you please understand what I'm saying there? We're not talking about working for your salvation. We're talking about a biblical principle of, of, of working. Okay? Principles of hard work. Let me give you some. Here's the first one. Biblical principles of work, of hard work, are rewarded by God. They're rewarded by God. God does not let hard work go unnoticed. He says, I'm working and working and working, and nobody ever sees it, right? God sees it. One of the principles of hard work is that it is rewarded by God. Other people may forget about your hard work, but God never will. He never will. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10 says this, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And one of the things that, that will be judged in the, at the Bema seat judgment when we're, we've been declared righteous and, but yet our lives are being judged will be our works. And God is not unjust. He's not going to overlook what you've done. The things that you've done in secret, the things that you've done that nobody else noticed, the things that you've done that haven't put any money in your pocket, the, 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 even the hard work that you have done that maybe was a, that you were paid for. God sees your work. He's not unjust. He's not going to overlook it. So that's a principle. Now, let me just talk about the idea of 
hard work versus laziness. Hard work versus laziness. Here's some principles. And for this, I go into uh, Proverbs. I love Proverbs. It's just it's practical stuff. It's wisdom literature. It helps us. I want you to see that how hard work is compared to or contrasted with laziness. Hard work versus laziness. First of all, hard work produces wealth. God's going to reward. He rewards hard work. Now watch this. Hard work produces wealth while laziness leads to poverty. Now you know that practically. I want you to see this biblically. Proverbs 10, verses 4 and 5. Who, he who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. He who has slack, has slack hand becomes poor. You see, hard work produces wealth, while laziness leads to poverty. Here's something else. Hard work promotes a person's person laziness will get you fired hard work promotes a person proverbs 10 verse 26 as vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes those that's bad the other day i was watching something um maybe it was family videos funniest videos and people were um i mean it's all the stuff you're not supposed to do you get judged for now but you know giving lemon to your child at the you know at, at the table and watching them make funny faces right you know you just you just don't do that anymore um, there's fancy words for that that you know parents just don't do anymore. Um, but back in the day, it was kind of fun, and so all my kids lived through it. And so we'd we'd, we'd give them lemon or we you know something, and they'd make these funny faces. Um, and um, vinegar. I remember as a kid when we were sick, one of the things our mother gave us was honey and vinegar. You know, a spoonful of that. Um, I don't think it did much for your cough. It just made you want to die, and so you just went away and quit complaining, right? So, um, or smoke in the eyes. Have you ever stood by a campfire, and it's like wherever you're standing, that's where it's like the, the wind is blowing, and it, you know, it's just vinegar in your teeth and smoke in your eyes. So is the lazy man to those who send him. I'll tell you what. Employees love to fire lazy people. Employers, employers love to fire lazy people. Hard work promotes a person. Laziness will get you fired. So you say, what does that look like? All right. Let me just explain this to you. Here's a word picture for you. <clears throat> if you're the person who always rolls in last to work, believe me, everybody knows this. If you're the person that always races when it's time to get off, guess what? Everybody notices. So, let's just say you're in construction or sorts, and it's time to dig a foundation, and everybody leaves from the shop. But amazingly, you get there last. Everybody leaves at the same time. Everybody has the same kind of vehicle. Everybody has the same kind of stuff. Everybody has the same directions. Everybody knows where they're going, and you get there last. Well, when you're there, you need to review the plans. You got to make sure your hat's on right. You got to make sure your OSHA gear's there, got your boots on. You get your shovel and you waddle over to the hole. The problem is it's already been dug by the people who got there and did what, what, what all the rest of the people were doing. 
Hard work versus laziness. Hard work will promote a person. Laziness will get you fired. You say, well, I'm just smart. No, you're lazy. If you're, if you're willing to let everyone else do the work, and you're so smart, you figure, you figure out all you got to do to be the last person there. And you're not smart. You're lazy. Here's something else. Hard work. Have I told you lately that I love you? That's why I'm teaching you this stuff. Hard work provides greater satisfaction. Laziness reveal, is revealed in ignorance. Proverbs 12, chap, uh, chapter 12, verse 11. He who tills his land will be satisfied with bread. That's hard work. Versus laziness. <laughs> but he who follows frivolity is devoid of understanding. You know what devoid of understanding means? Dumb. I cleaned it up a little bit. I used a fancy word. I said ignorance, right? Hard work provides greater satisfaction. Laziness revealed in ignorance. Kerry Newhoff has written about what older leaders complain about when it comes to younger leaders. Now, a couple weeks before that, he wrote about what younger leaders complain about older, uh, well, younger leaders complain about older leaders. Because I'm an older leader, we're going to use the, the part where older leaders are complaining about younger leaders, all right? Here's this whole thing about hard work providing greater satisfaction versus laziness, laziness revealed in ignorance. Here's one of the things he mentioned. He said, um, lazy people, and, and older, older leaders complain about younger leaders in this way. They said they listen to one podcast and they think they're an expert. They sense that young leaders think they know everything. That showed up a lot in the survey that he was doing. He says, this young, younger leaders, they think they know everything. To be fair, so did the perception that older leaders were arrogant and thought they knew everything too. Right? Here are the, some, the, some comments from older leaders they made about younger leaders. He said, so listen to one podcast and they're an expert. They're experts at nothing, but they have an opinion on everything. We're talking about being lazy. You know, if, if, this whole idea of... of of working hard and applying yourself. You're going you're to till the land. You're going to work. You, you're going you're to strive to understand what's going on. He said, in, in the picture there is this whole idea of people who, who, who don't want to put in the time, but they, and, and they don't really know much, but they always have an opinion about everything. Here's another thing. There's, there's an idealism that feels like pressure. Like somehow um, younger leaders re- listen to a podcast and then they expect everyone around them to to, to know what they've listened to. They think they know everything. The idea that everything that the old hat has done is boring and not worth understanding. Truth is, a little bit of knowledge is dangerous, and we live in an age of strongly held but weakly formed opinions. That's what I have warned you about over the months, especially with some of the COVID stuff and some of the political stuff that we deal with, that you have strongly held beliefs but weakly formed opinions. And so you're like one or two questions. Your whole platform is one or two questions away from being destroyed because you're no better than the last person that you heard spewing some piece of information. This last week I was, I was on a phone call with someone who was telling me um, it happened to be a guy that is pretty connected who who runs with guys he this guy runs with guys like Tony Perkins and Jim Dobson and 
and those kind of guys. And he was telling me all the stuff he knew, and he told me something. Man, it just didn't sound right to me. I went to check and said, man, dude, called him back. I said, that ain't true. It sounded good, preached well, the only problem with it, it wasn't true, right? So you have to be careful. Wisdom takes time and input. So the idea of providing greater satisfaction versus just ignorant. Here's something else. Hard work profits a good return. Laziness is displayed in mere talk. Here's a great verse. Proverbs 14, verse 23. In all labor, so hard work profits a return. In all labor there is profit. But watch this. Laziness is displayed in mere talk. In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads to poverty. Can I interpret that one for you? Shut up when you don't know what you're talking about. Here's something else Kerry Newhoff identified. By far the biggest complaint older leaders have about young leaders is that they see them as lazy. They want to work whenever they want to. Very liberal with work and work hours. Lack of internal drive. Flakiness. Inconsistent work ethic. Focus of drive. Lack of focus of drive. Um, and, and this one comment that I think fits this whole thing displayed in mere talk. One of the things that older leaders complain about younger leader is this comment, get off your phone. Get off your phone. Now, the other day, bless my heart, I was on a bus trip with some seniors. Um, besides a couple of other, um, two other people I had to have been the youngest there by a bit, right? And I was amazed how much they were on their phones, right? Now, phones are a tool, work tool. It's a good thing. It's all good. But talk, 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 talk. There's a difference. You know there's a difference between doing something and talking about doing something? There's times where... You, you connect and you, there's, there's always like someone who, in the bunch, who says, listen, I'm not going to talk. And it's not because they're such a work, you have such work ethic, it's just because they're a snob, right? So I always have those people at work. But there's, then there's people that just want to hang out and talk and talk and talk. And there's this connection you need. You, you, when, when you talk, you're relating. We'll talk a little bit more about that. You relate to people. You connect with people. There's a, but then there's people who just want to talk, 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 and they never work. Hard work profits a good return. Laziness is displayed in mere talk. Um, here's another one. Hard work pays off in opportunities. Laziness results in limited options. Proverbs 15. The, the way of a lazy man is like a hedge of thorns, but the way of the upright is a highway. Now, I, love, <laughs> I love these passages of Scripture. You can you, you go through and, I mean, this is... Um, a list of scriptures that have to do with work, and and it's easy to identify and and to to make these connections. But the way of a lazy man is like a hedge of thorns. So there's when you're lazy, you only have so many options. But the way of the upright is a highway. Um, work hard work pays off in opportunities. The people say, well, listen, I didn't have that opportunity. Sometimes through hard work, you create your own opportunities. Opportunities for you personally, opportunities for you to serve others, opportunities for you to give 
Glory to God, and we'll talk about that too. Hard work plans for the future. Laziness relies on luck. The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Maybe this addresses the the debacle I saw the other day when I was at a I was at the state line at the pop shop. I was I was buying another case of the nectar of the gods. It's the Arnie Palmer uh, half lemonade and half tea. It's the nectar of the gods. I get it there. They they order a case in for me every so often. I go pick it up. But they also sell lottery tickets. And I'm trying to get my case of uh, iced tea and lemonade into my truck. My wife is there, um, not her favorite store. And, and there's this couple that was sitting outside. By the time I went in, they, they were sitting outside. They ran back in, got some more tickets, came back out, rubbed those tickets off, must have won something, went back in, got some more, came out. Um, my assumption, I made an assumption, um, they were not well off, but they were trying to get well off by cheating quickly, relying on luck. Hard work is better than luck any day. So, <laughs> the plans of the diligent lead to plenty. But those who are trying to get rich quick, the hasty piece goes to poverty. Hard work pays it forward. Laziness is dependent on others. Proverbs 21, the desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. This is Proverbs 21, verse 25. The desire of the lazy man kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and does not spare. You see, laziness gets you into the mode of thinking that you are owed something and that moves you away from hard work. Not working um, in, in whatever way you can is unbiblical. It is also bad for your soul. Because you begin to think, well, listen, people owe me this. Do we have a problem in our nation with that? Absolutely. Here's one. Hard work persists in difficult times. Laziness makes excuses. This is a perfect verse. Proverbs 22, verse 13. The lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I will be slain in the streets. Oh, you don't want me to go do it. I, got, I, I mean, there's a lion outside. Laziness makes excuse. I can't do that. That's too hard. That couldn't work. This other person isn't working that hard. What should I do? Laziness makes excuses. Hard work gets it done. We've been talking about some biblical principles of hard work. We talked about how it is rewarded by God. <laughs> it is rewarded by God. That's hard work gains you versus what, how laziness will rob you. Here's something else. Not only is hard work rewarded by God, it offers help to others. We talked just a little bit about that. As you serve and honor God in everything that you do, it's only natural that, that there's some things you understand we're helping others. One of the things, hard work... Um, helps others when you care for your family. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
How about care for people in need? Ephesians 4, verse 28, He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. So caring for your family, caring for people in need. What about um, just being able to bless people? In Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, you'll see how God says to Abram, he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you, and your offspring is going to be a blessing. And then he goes on to say, and all people on earth would be blessed through you. Is your life, are you living, the work that you're doing, is, is it something that not only is God you know, blessing you with, he's blessing your immediate family with, blessing people that have needs with, but is, is he, because of who you are and your work, are other people being blessed? Hardworking teachers bless their students. Hardworking um, law enforcement officers help protect their community. Hardworking contractors help build things where people can, can, can live in a home that is safe and secure. Hard work. It's rewarded by God. It offers help to others. Let me quickly mention this last thing. It also brings glory to God. Colossians 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Your hard work brings glory to God. Working for the approval of others can be tough because people are inconsistent. They can want different things at different times. Working to please the audience of one is a better idea than working to please as many people as you can. We were created by Him to do good works for Him. We're not earning our salvation. But I'll tell you what, I get a little tired of people thinking that, that salvation by grace can't earn it, means that i got to do nothing. That's a little annoying. It's a, mis, it's a misunderstanding of Scripture. Now, you can't earn your salvation. You've heard me say it again and again and again. But that's not what we're talking about. Work is a way you can bring glory to God. Said another way, through our work, we can show the world how great God is. What's interesting, in the Middle Ages, the Catholic Church exalted those in ministry as higher. Their job was more important. Their work was more important. If God called you to ministry, somehow you were more important. The Reformation settled that, though. There's no such thing as a sacred or a secular job, I don't believe. You glorify God at work or you don't. I think you were called to where you're, what you're doing just as much as I'm called to doing what I'm doing. And wherever God has put you, he's planned you for a reason. You either glorify God at work or you don't, right? Here's some, some things just to remember. Work that brings glory to God includes this, quality. The quality of your work shows the world the excellence of your God, the greatness of your God. How you do your work speaks volumes about God. <clears throat> if you're the lazy person at work, why would anyone listen to your philosophy or your theology? If, if your theology of work is so screwed up, why would they listen to your theology of Christ? Right? God-worthy work. Do your buildings stand straight? Do your parts match tolerances is your diagnosis accurate are the forms filled out correctly 
Is your work done on time? Quality. So I thought I was supposed to give people a track. Okay, that's probably, maybe, but that could be one of the things you, you do after the fact. The thing that's going to impress them, qual, how about your quality of work? How about integrity? By the way, God is a God of order and competence. Why don't you look at somebody sitting next to you and say, how you doing? <laughs> integrity. The standards of integrity you follow at your job show the integrity and the holiness of God. You accept pay under the table? Is your paperwork honest? Your time card filled out right? Do you work hard to earn your paycheck? You cannot not communicate. Work that brings glory to God is quality, it's integrity. It also is charity. The love that you show to people at work shows people the love of God. The, the love that you show to people at work shows the love of God to the world. Your job is the best place to build relationships with non-Christians. Demonstrate the uncon... Unless you work at Summit Church. Most of those people are supposed to be already in the fold. Right? But many times, work is a place where we meet non-Christians. Demonstrate the unconditional love of Jesus to them. Charity. Treat everyone with the love and dignity. Do a child of God. Work that brings glory to God is quality, it's integrity, it's charity, and finally, opportunity. How you talk about Jesus when God opens the opportunities is a part of why you work where you work. Be discreet, pray, listen, wait for opportunities, but go to work ready, praying for God to work through you and to give you opportunities. What stories of God speaking through you? What new stories of God speaking through you do you have? Opportunity. Don't worship work. Some of you are going to be tempted to worship work as an idol. You'll serve it gladly with long hours, bowing down to its demands despite the destruction it causes to your family. Don't do that. Don't reject work. Some of you might be tempted to reject work. Work is work. Whether you find it too challenging or you struggle with laziness, don't reject work. Some people twist work. You might be tempted to twist it, tempted to accept money under the table, push through a deal, feel inclined to fudge the numbers on your sales quota. Don't twist work. Bring glory to God through how you work. I'm going to invite the team to come. They're going to lead us in some song to wrap this mess up. Good thing none of you have wigs because they'd be off in the creek this morning. Have I told you lately that I love you? Folks, we got to be different than the world. We got to be different. One day, a young man named Herb. He was attending uh, Stanford University at the time. Herb needed a job, and he applied for 
a position at a company. He was told that the only job that was available at that company was that of a stenographer. And so they offered Herb the job, and he was enthusiastic. He was excited about that new opportunity, but he said, I can't start till Wednesday. This was near the end of the, the week, and he said, I, I can't start till Wednesday. And so, well, that, that's okay. You come in on Wednesday. And Herb came in on Wednesday, and when he showed up on Wednesday morning, the employer asked Herb why he had waited until Wednesday to start. Herb, whose last name was Hoover, Herbert Hoover, you may recognize him as the 31st President of the United States. He looked at his employer and he said, well, he said the job was for a stenographer. I've never done that before. I had, I had to have some time to, to, to get a typewriter and figure out how to use it. So that when I showed up here today, I wouldn't waste your time and I wouldn't waste my time. And I would immediately begin to help you accomplish what you need to accomplish. Herbert Hoover, as I already mentioned, went on to become the 31st president of the United States. He once said this, he said, no difficult or simple job ever gets done by someone never gets done until someone decides right now to do it and to figure out what it takes to get the job done. And then this sentence, which is, a, I think, a powerful word picture for us this morning. He said this, there's too many people standing around ready to carry the bench when a piano needs to be moved. So what about you? So we're in this thing. <laughs> Adam, you rascal. But can I encourage you with this passage of Scripture in Isaiah 55? He says, you'll go out with joy. You'll be led forth in peace. The mountains, the hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now listen to this. God said to Adam, he said, because of your disobedience and your sin, there are going to be thistles, thorn bushes, and thistles. Here's what Isaiah says. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the pine tree. And instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown and for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. You know, I think sometimes we say it this way when a person has died in the Lord and they've gone on to their eternal rest. They've gone to rest. Folks, I think heaven's going to be all about work. <laughs> but it'll be good work. It will be for the Lord's renown, an everlasting sign. It won't be destroyed. No more thorn bushes, no more briars. Myrtle will grow and pine trees will wave. We're living in a time when it's hard to work. But the opportunities are great. And someday where we're headed, make sure, make sure you don't go to heaven without some calluses on your hands and your knees. Because when you get there, God's going to give you another opportunity to work and serve. What you do with your work will help lead people to follow Christ, or it won't. It's up to you. So 
as we leave here this morning, it is my prayer that God would be magnified in us. That our lives, lived in front of the world, would witness to who God is. And they would be led to follow Him. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have any questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world 